ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of Monday Motivation. Hi everyone, we have a very exciting, powerful, fun episode tonight. Well, actually tomorrow when it hits all of your podcasts channels. So yes, please, on that note, do not forget to like and subscribe so that Monday Motivation with Rabbi Garfinkel will appear magically automatically, instantaneously in your favorite podcast channels. All right. Well, folks, Pesach is in the air. If anyone has been near West Rogers Park or any other uh, plugged in, dialed in Jewish community, you feel Pesach in the air. The grocery stores, the car <laughs> the cleaner, the vacuums and the car cleaners, all the car washes, the massive food distributions of all types and Pesach orders and oh my goodness it is definitely in the air on a busy Sunday with about a week and a half until Pesach all right so we are going to do the following we're going to talk a little bit about Passover itself and then maybe touch on some of my favorite excuses. Now, I don't want to be mean. Now, Rabbi, last week I was a little bit on a rant, so I want to be positive and bubbly this week on our Monday Motivation and talk a little, maybe a little funny about why people don't come to a Passover Seder or do one at home. And then the rest of the podcast about incredible stories of Jews throughout history who have been what we call Moser Nefesh, who have been self-sacrificing to do seders. All right? That's the game plan. All right, so a little bit about Passover itself. On Wednesday night, April 5th, we'll begin the first night of Passover. Yes, we got to know what date it is. And then followed up the next night, Thursday, April 6th, is the second Seder, the second night of Passover, and that runs right into Shabbos. So there will be, for those who are what we call Shomer Shabbos, fully Sabbath observant, 72 hours, three days of bliss, detached from any electronics and plugged into the ultimate electric spiritual current of godliness, and that is Passover. All right, so we are super excited. So got to put that on your calendars because that is coming up. And what really are we celebrating? So you will be the coolest cat at your Seder. People still say that? Cool as a cat? Okay, I digress. Anyway, 3,335 years ago, the Jewish people left Egypt. So here's what I suggest. Go out to Party City or on Amazon. Go to... Um, Oriental Trading, I believe, is the site, or any site, and order a bunch of birthday stuff, or go to the dollar store, and get everyone birthday hats, and you put it on, even Uncle Herb, the old cantankerous man, let's get to the food, right? I don't know why Uncle Herb sounds like a pirate, but anyway, uh, (laughs) and you could begin your Seder by singing 
Happy birthday. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to the Jewish people. Happy birthday to us. Yes, because the Jewish people are 3,335 years old. Coming up on that first night of Seder. Unbelievable. Okay, that is when we were born as a nation. Now, I know what you're thinking. Abraham was 500 years before then. Yes, so the origins, the roots of the Jewish people go back 3,800 years. But when we became a nation, that was 3,335 years ago, 3335, 1312 BCE, 2448 of the Hebrew calendar. And so if you do the math, it's 3,335 years ago. Now, I have to tell you, and I'm no world religion expert, but I got to think that Passover is the oldest ritual in human experience that is still celebrated on such a mass level. What other religion, what other ritual of other religion is still not only recognized cursely, but is lived, that people live for Pesach, and observe it, and don't eat bread for seven days in Israel, and eight days outside the land of Israel, and are scrupulous, and do massive cleaning. This is a lot of work <laughs> for those who may not be scrubbing every nook and cranny of your home. There's a lot going on here in terms of preparing for this. It is an entire turnaround of one's home and one's attitude. And, okay, maybe you're out there uh, listening in podcast land, send me which rich religious ritual is longer. You may technically have one on the books, but not one that is as definitional and as enshrined in the hearts and souls of Jews all around the world. Now, so 3,335 years does indeed sound like a long time ago, but don't be fooled, people, because really, it's like yesterday. It's like yesterday. Now, what do I mean? Because if you divide up those years... By the generations, it is actually unbelievable what comes out. So if we say that an average generation is about 30 years, so 3,335 years turns out to be about 111 generations, which means there's only about 111 handoffs from one generation to the next. That's not a lot. You have that amount of people lined up to see a movie. Do people still see movies outside? Okay. But or waiting in line for tickets for a game or entry. That is not a lot of people. That's not a lot of handoffs. And it's incredible how short, how quick we are that we get back to the actual leaving from father to son, mother to daughter, parent to child, teacher to student. There's only been about 111 handoffs. That's not a lot. That's not a lot of place where things are wrong. People think, oh, it's way back in the midst of history. Do you trust your parents? Okay, don't answer that question. This is not a therapy session. But most children trust their parents. And when their parents tell them that this is what happened to their parents, they believe them. And that's the basis of the entire Passover Seder. Okay, so now we move on. That if you're uh, even want some little to shorten the time even more, imagine a uh, an infant and a 90-year-old, say, grandparent or great-grandparent at the table, okay? Then 90 years of experience there, you get about 37 tables like that. And if you would imagine that great-grandparent when they were just born and they had their great-grandparent at the table, 
you cut that in half, about 18, 19 tables. It's just not that far. Okay, so we can reach out and touch it. And that's our job is to pass this on to the next generation. Now, again, uh, some of my favorite uh, excuses uh, why people can't come. And really, bottom line, the reason why I get fired up when, when I hear some of these excuses, it means that I, the rabbi, have not done my job. If people are not kicking and screaming to knock down doors to go to a Passover Seder, that means that I simply have not conveyed the information in a compelling way. That's on me. So therefore, that's why we're doing the podcast now, more than a week and a half before the Seder. Okay, so here we go. So my the, the basic one is, you know, it's work. Uh, Rabbi, I have work to do. I have a meeting. It's really important. It's the end of the quarter. And I just can't uh, move this meeting around. Okay. Then the other ones usually have to do with March Madness. Now, Baruch Hashem, thank God this year, March Madness ends on that Monday before. So we do not have any conflicts with March Madness. So whoever, if you're a fan of any of the teams in the Final Four or none of them and just like the Final Four, you can enjoy your Final Four with your bread, okay, before you uh, ditch it a few days later for the matzah. Okay. And then other random excuses and other just, you know, went, I just decided uh, to, to take a vacation that week and go somewhere where there's absolutely nothing Jewish anywhere. I'm like, why did you pick that week of all the weeks to pick? Why pick that? So now what I'd like to do is to pivot and to talk about and to share some of the really inspiring stories about what Passover means and has meant to Jews throughout history. Okay. And so if you notice the graphic, I don't know when you look at the podcast, see the graphic, there is a a painting, a portrait by Moshe Maimon. Sounds Svarty. Okay. And he painted this in 1893, but it was of a secret Passover in Spain during the times of the Inquisition. And if you could see that it's everyone is 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 uh, laying low, doing their best on pain of death if they are discovered to be able to do a Passover Seder because Passover is the core of our identity. It says who we are as a nation, and therefore Jews would risk their lives in order to be able to do a Passover Seder in secret. The Inquisition was so, people don't learn about the Inquisition, and I don't blame them. It's a little bit of a heavy topic. But if you, if we would look into the Inquisition, what they did, it was as soon as you were accused, you're guilty. It kind of sounds like today. <laughs> you say one thing wrong, boom, you are you are forever in the beta kelev, as I like to say. You're in the doghouse and no, uh, no getting out. But it was unbelievable the extent that they would go to do research to find Jews hiding. So if they would notice that Jewish families would not buy bread during the week of Passover, that was a reason to be suspicious and to be accused of practicing Judaism. Because the law is not only that you cannot eat bread and leavened products on Passover, you cannot own them. Okay. Also, the the inquisitors and their spies would look to see 
if the Jews would be buying extra vegetables. Because when you don't have the breads, right, they would or they would eat just vegetables all week because pretty much everything has grains in it. So they would look at how they shopped in order to determine if they were keeping Pesach. Okay, you can just imagine what that was. And yet Jews, for hundreds of years, before the expulsion in 1492 and afterwards, would make private, secretive satyrs in order to continue their Judaism. Uh, one of the incredible series of stories, and I looked this up, I mean, I usually tell a few of the stories. I said, you know, let me let me look up some new stories this year about, and again, we're fast forwarding from uh, the Spanish expulsion before and after 1492, all the way up to the 20th century in Auschwitz. And I found this just delightful, inspiring story. And it's by Aviva Woznica in the Jewish Action Magazine, Pesach and Auschwitz, A Father's Story. Now, full disclosure, I think this is her father, but I'm not sure. She talks about her father, and I, her father was in Auschwitz, but I believe the protagonist story is her father, but it might not be. But either way, the father told about it. It's a little bit unclear from the article, but either way, it is pretty incredible. And here it goes. So she talks about that one of the most envied jobs in Auschwitz was to work in the kitchen. A few crumbs here, a little bit of bread here. It would go a long way to curbing the incessant hunger that were forced upon the inmates. And so, but she said that her father was in fact in kitchen duty, but he would feel so guilty that he would be able to get extra food, that he could not bring himself to do it. And he would smuggle, again, on pain of death, the food back to the barracks, okay, to share with other people. So she says, as daring as some of the adventures, or ventures, excuse me, were that the kitchen staff undertook in compassion for others and in stark defiance of their Nazi masters, none were as bold as the chance they took before Pesach of 1943. So, basically, they got together. The rabbis and the Torah scholars of Auschwitz had made a calendar. And they knew that Passover was coming up. They would they etched it into the, the walls of the barracks. And they knew that Passover was coming up. But, but Passover was, Pesach was just a dream in Auschwitz. How in the world would it possibly come? And if Mashiach, Messiah wanted to come, this would be the great time. But to actually do a Seder in Auschwitz, that would be ridiculous. So, um, yet, here is what happened. She talks about a man named Pesach Chochmitz. Now, I don't know if that's her father or not. That was my question about the article. But Pesach Hochmitz. Now, it's really very funny. Hochmitz is very similar to Hichmitz, which means to become leavened. So he's Pesach who became leavened. It's very, it's like almost like a bittersweet name, like oxymoronic. But Pesach Hochmitz, he entered Auschwitz gates and he learned that his wife and children were already gone. He was all alone and he had no family left. Everyone was gone. So what the rabbis and the leaders had said 
is that anyone who wanted to have matzah on Pesach had to promise that, that they would not eat any chametz, they would not eat any leaven throughout the entire week. And he volunteered. And nine other men volunteered to be the ones who were going to bravely risk death to bake matzahs and then to have that be their only food the entire week. And that is exactly what they did. They made it through the entire week. They baked the matzahs surreptitiously. They um, actually were able to kosher the oven of the, the bakers who normally worked, they, they kosher over, they made it kosher because you can't obviously use the regular oven. They brought in the torches to be able to clean it and they finished cleaning it in the middle of the night. They were able to bake five round matzahs. And these 10 men split a half a matzah for a week and they did it and they made it to the end. And later on, it talks about at his Seder table, he shared with his family in Canada, obviously got remarried after the, the war, and he would show his children and grandchildren the, the thumb, right, with his thumb, the size of the half matzah he had survived on that week in the camps. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? Now, originally, they thought that there was going to be vegetables. They could, they could supplement their diet, but that week... There were no vegetables, and he made it an entire week with a teeny tiny half a matzah in order to keep the holiday. How inspiring. How absolutely inspiring. But it was not only the crypto Jews or the Jews in hiding from Spain or the Jews in Auschwitz, but even the Jews in the gulag of the Soviet Union, the evil empire of communist Russia, the very famous Natan Sharansky and his wife, his first Seder ever, was in an apartment that was surrounded by KGB agents. And they felt that the modern day pharaohs were out to get them. And we say in the Haggadah, in every generation, Om Dimaleinu Lakalotenu, they stand up to us to wipe us out. And as Natan Sharansky was reading those words, he felt it. And in fact, was thrown into jail and did made his own Seder for years in jail in the Gulag Archipelago. Can you imagine what it's like? That's what's on your mind? That's what's on your mind? And he made a Seder in solitary confinement. And yes, that's exactly what was on his mind. Because that is what has been on the mind of every Jew for the past 3,335 years. That I'm part of something great. I'm part of something special. I am part of the nation that exists to be the moral paradigm and the moral barometer of human existence. We have a responsibility that comes along with the privilege of being Jewish of being Amanifchar, the chosen people, and I know people bristle on that, but we have to understand that's who we are. That is who we are. It's not chosen to lord over people. It's chosen to rise up and be the moral example that we do hold ourselves to a higher example than the nations of the world. And this is the night where we got the command to be that nation. And that is why it is time 
ladies and gentlemen, to clear your Google calendars, to say that this is my first priority. And it's not, I'm going to, oh, I'll just do it on the weekend when it's convenient for ourselves. No, because when one says one doesn't have time, that means it's not as important as something else. Make this number one. And I'm telling you, and I'll finish on this, the Zohar, in the name of Ephraim Waxham, the great book of mystical wisdom. And I heard a great, great shiur lecture today. And he said that God Hashem is so happy on Passover night. He calls over the angels and he says, listen to my Jews, listen to them saying the Passover Haggadah, the special words. Ladies and gentlemen, we have this opportunity. Let's take advantage of it. And God willing, we will have a beautiful and uplifting and meaningful Passover. And we'll see you right back here next week for another exciting edition of Monday Motivation.